All right, so our scripture tonight will be 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. If you would turn with me there, please. I'm reading out of the NIV translation. So, the Apostle Paul. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. So this passage of scripture is pretty well known. Um, we preach Christ crucified. It's a very famous takeaway from this passage. Um, so this is Paul's first epistle to the church of Corinth. The wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God are contrasted against each other. In Paul's argument to show the Corinthian church that God's plan was to use what the world sees as foolish. As the very power of God that brings his people to salvation in Christ. This is an ancient message but it is a message that still changes the most callous of hearts today. The brilliant plan of God's salvation is viewed as foolishness to a dying world that around us that is under the influence of the devil. But we as believers in Christ proclaim it as the very power that brought us from death to life. Tonight I want to draw attention to two main points of application of this passage. First, we must embrace the wisdom God displayed on the cross, and our preaching must preserve this foolishness to be faithful in our evangelism. So let us start with the first point. From Genesis to Revelation, God's plan of salvation unfolds um, that are ways that are gloriously beyond earthly wisdom. The church in Corinth in particular struggled with cultural influences from the outside, and the Apostle Paul had to address this concern. And I, with my preparation, I had a, access to an NIV study Bible, and there was a footnote on verse 19, if you have an NIV study Bible with you, that says that on every street in Corinth, one met a so-called wise man who had his own solution to the world's problems. I think it's a fitting statement when applied to today's society with all the political, racial, economic issues that are around us. It seems like life is going on Facebook, and everybody has a PhD in political science these days, but... That's just me. Um, Corinth. Corinth is located 50 miles west of present-day Athens, Greece. Um, it was established as an administrative economic hub in the ancient world. Corinth had two maritime harbors that allowed the city to serve as a point of trade, both to the Aegean and the Adriatic Seas, and the countries surrounding these two geographic regions. Because of the geographic location, Corinth was established as a very strong economic center for trade, for exports, for imports, all that stuff. Think of Corinth as a uh, 
ancient New York City, so to speak. Except, of course, without the uh, New York Yankees and Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. Um, with the huge influx of trade going through Corinth because of the location, the culture of the pagan Greco-Roman world followed, and the many schools of philosophy akin to this culture accompanied with it. Um, as we know, most of you may know, Greek, Greek philosophy was um, the school of thought that these people held to. Um, over again in scripture, we see the Gentiles want wisdom, they want philosophy, they want systems of thought. Uh, particularly in Corinth, uh, most people would adhere to Stoicism. Um, uh, a couple of famous people who adhered to Stoicism was Marcus Aurelius, the emperor of Rome, um, who would come years later. But Paul immediately saw this tendency of this new church that he just established to revert back to these philosophies instead of holding to the divine revelation that God gave them in Christ. Um, what's interesting is instead of appealing to this desire of the Corinthians to use a system of thought, the Apostle Paul simply just stated the, the facts, the simple facts of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, especially as we see in chapter 15, which is the famous um, passage of Scripture about the resurrection. It is not a bad thing to pull from philosophy either. As we see in the epic prologue of John's Gospel, he refers to Christ as the Logos. In our English translation, it reads the word. Uh, the Logos is a concept that was pulled from Greek philosophy. The Logos simply just means this overwhelming idea of truth, this embodiment of truth and logic and reason. It's just something the Greek philosophers wrote about all the time. But John pulls from it and refers to Christ as this Logos, this word, this truth. So I have asked the question, why didn't Paul do the same? These people are already familiar with philosophy. Why not just play to that nature of theirs? He could have easily done so, as he did when he appealed to their pagan practices when he stood in front of the Areopagus at Athens in Acts chapter 17, verse 22. And don't turn on one quote. Paul, in front of the Council of Philosophers in Athens, says, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So we see he's not opposed to using something that's familiar to them. But Paul took his course of action with the Corinthian church because he believed for them to truly grasp the gospel, they must fully embrace the wisdom that God displayed in the death of Jesus. The gospel shatters our earthly ideas on how to know God. There is no system of thought, there's no school of philosophy, there's no mathematical formula that can bring you to a place of repentance and faith in Christ. It comes from revelation. The Corinthians, that was opposed to their tendency. They wanted to arrive to it. They wanted to intellectually prove themselves superior by coming to this knowledge of God. A crucified Messiah who was both fully God and fully man is not how we would envision God's plan of redemption if we're up to you and me. This is also why the Jews demanded endless signs from Jesus. They could not imagine a suffering servant as the Son of God who would fulfill the prophecies of old. But ironically, a suffering servant is exactly what the prophets foretold. We are recipients of the revelation of God that he has given to us. 
and we are likewise made anew by the power of God, which allows us to hold to this message of the gospel. The goal is not to continually work our way up higher and higher in knowledge so that we may be wiser than the next person, but to humble ourselves and become foolish so that we may be wise. We do not put our hope in earthly things, earthly ideas, but our hope is simply in the blood of a Jewish man executed 2,000 years ago as a criminal whom God, and I'm quoting Paul here, displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith, as he tells us in his epistle to the Romans in chapter 3, verse 25. I, I came across this quote uh, by Sam Albury, who's a pastor and speaker who used to actually run with Rabbi Zacharias while he was still with us. Um, he gives us this quote regarding the death of Jesus and this idea of wisdom. The death of Jesus is not impressive, attractive, or sophisticated. It doesn't entertain us, flatter us, or amuse us. Everything about Jesus goes against the grain of what we are naturally sinking in life. He contradicts every aspect of our thinking and our wisdom. I think what Sam Albury is saying here is we want strength. We want a conqueror. We want to be lifted up. We want to elevate ourselves. We want to climb a ladder. What Jesus does, he shows us that the path to godliness, the true path to righteousness, is servanthood, is humbling yourself. For if God himself stepped off his throne and came down to earth and lived as a bondservant and one of the, from a poor area in ancient Palestine, lived his life perfectly, was tempted every way that we were, yet... He didn't need to be saved. We needed to be saved. I think there's a lot of wisdom in looking at what exactly it means when Christ humbled himself. And I think the humility of Christ is what Sam Albury is saying here with going against the grain of what, you're, what we are naturally seeking in our lives. Moving on to the second point. Our preaching must preserve this foolishness to be faithful in our evangelism. One of the main themes of this entire epistle are the simple facts of the death and resurrection of Christ. Paul, emphasized, Paul emphasizes the simplicity of the message and that these events actually happened. Consider, if you will, the spread of Christianity after the day of Pentecost. Thousands of people witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus in Jerusalem. This was a public spectacle. This event was known to all in the surrounding regions. Yet here was a group of his disciples proclaiming with boldness and power that he indeed rose from the dead and that he made the once and for all atoning sacrifice for sin. This would have seemed very foolish to the people who literally watched Jesus die three days earlier. Yet after Peter preached his first gospel sermon only days after these events, 3,000 people were converted in the same city where Jesus was crucified. The Apostle Paul's preaching of the gospel was not made with elegant words or a well-articulated system of thought. Earlier in verse 17, before we get to our passage, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. This is why he says in our passage tonight, in verse 23, that we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, 
Christ, the power, and the wisdom of God. This verse is so important to how we evangelize today. And the application here is not just for preachers. All of us are called to proclaim this message. And it is our mandate to advance the kingdom of God by announcing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our orders are not to be creative with our message, but to simply stick to the script that God has written for us and revealed to us. Every time we preach this gospel, we are like the prophet Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones in chapter 37 of Ezekiel. We speak words to the spiritually dead, and through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, the dead are brought to life by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It pleases God through the foolishness of this preaching that people are saved. The bold proclamation of the gospel brings the message of salvation to a dying world. And people that are so des- that so desperately need to hear this truth. We do our neighbors an injustice by not bringing bringing to them the same gospel message that was proclaimed to us and changed us. As bond servants of Christ, we do not have the right to alter this message. Are we wiser than God Himself to think that we can make this message more palatable to a people so they would understand? Jesus promised us in John chapter 6 that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. We can go forward in our evangelism knowing that we bring the fullest message to unbelieving ears with assurance that God shall bring all that he has called to himself. This does not mean that we shall see visible results of our efforts in proclaiming this message, nor do we know Visibly, who are the ones that God has appointed to eternal life? Spurgeon says, the prince of preachers, If God would have painted a yellow stripe on the backs of the elect, I would go around lifting up shirts. But since he doesn't, I must preach whoever so will, and when whatsoever believes, I know that he is one of the elect. This is why we must not alter this foolish message of the cross. Who are we to tell who will respond in repentance? Or who the Holy Spirit will enlighten to the wisdom of God. We must preach the foolishness of the cross to all men. To end our time together tonight, I'm going to ask you to look inward and ask yourself, have I truly embraced the wisdom that God displayed through the crucified Christ? Have your eyes been opened to the reality and implications thereof that God took upon himself human flesh, lived among us, was crucified, buried, and rose from the dead. Christianity is not a religion of works, nor is it a religion that pursues a spiritual state of higher knowledge that leads to a state of nirvana, nor is it a set of just good moral rules that we should follow that would create an earthly utopia around us in this life. Our faith is founded on the historical facts, attested to by the eyewitness accounts of the apostles, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, and God made this known to all men throughout all time by raising him from the dead. Let us not forget the simple facts and the message of the gospel that is indeed a foolish message to the world. But nonetheless, this foolish message is the eternal wisdom of God put on display to our very eyes. Today, things are getting incredibly complicated in the spheres around us. The cultural values around us are changing. Therefore, we must be vigilant to preserve the glorious message of this foolish and simple gospel from those that wish to alter its message and meaning.
Or we know, as the Apostle Peter says in the, in the book of Acts, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Let us pray.